Hey, this is Andy. Thanks so much for listening. Great show today. We have an interview with former LSU Tiger, former Dallas Cowboy Marcus Spears, who is one of the biggest rising stars at ESPN. He's going to tell us how he got there, and we're going to talk about his alma mater winning the national title this year. Welcome to the Andy Staples Show. Big one for you today. We got Marcus Spears from ESPN joining us. You know him, you love him, former LSU Tiger. He played for the Dallas Cowboys and Bill Parcells in the NFL. Now, he is a rising star at ESPN. He started at the SEC Network. He has worked his way up the chain. You see him on Get Up all the time now. He is one of the more hilarious people you will ever meet. And I am very, very happy for his success because this is a guy who is genuine. And what you see on TV is exactly what you see when you meet him. And that's what we need more of in what we get to see on TV. So I'm very happy to have Marcus with us. We're going to talk about a bunch of stuff. We're going to talk about LSU winning the national title. We're going to talk about his career moves, how he wound up on TV, which is a great story. We're also going to talk about Mel Tucker. We're going to talk about the transfer rules. It's a big show. Let's talk about those transfer rules because there is some stuff going on this week. The ACC said, you know what? We're going to get behind what the Big Ten has proposed, and that is nobody has to sit out a year when they transfer. Undergraduate, graduate, whatever. You get one time to transfer, and you don't have to sit out, which, by the way, is the rule in most college sports. It is not the rule in most of the college sports you watch. It's not the rule in football, men's basketball, women's basketball, baseball, or hockey. So this is normal, let's say, if you're a volleyball coach, if you're a softball coach, Football, basketball, they're going to have to get used to it. And I do think this is going to happen. On Tuesday, the NCAA put out a notice that they're going to have a working group to look at this issue. Look, when the Big Ten and the ACC are already behind it, it's going to happen. The other Power Five leagues are going to fall in a line. And remember, these guys can't do anything at this point that looks like it's anti-athlete. So they're not going to be able to dial this back. I noticed in the NCAA news release that they mentioned bringing back the release system where you you say, okay, I want to transfer. And the coach says, well, you can't transfer here, here, or here, or here. Well, they're not bringing that back. If they try to bring that back, they are going to get just skewered. So it's going to happen where you can transfer once and you don't have to sit out. If you transfer a second time, you will have to sit out. There will be no waivers It takes a lot of the mystery out of the thing, which is good, because I think one of the more frustrating aspects of the waiver process for fans, for players, for coaches, for ADs, you name it, is that you don't know what's going to happen. You don't know why one guy gets a waiver and one guy doesn't get a waiver. And it's cloaked in mystery, and it's just silly when they could just do it a better way and not have to worry about it. And I know there's a lot of coaches who are upset by this. Mark Richt, former Georgia and Miami coach, said, oh, now it's, I recruit a guy, I develop him, and then you, you decide he's good enough. You take him off my roster. Well, guess what? If you were at Georgia still, Mark Richt, nobody would be taking anybody off your roster. They'd be too good. They'd be happy. They'd be winning. 
So they wouldn't be going anywhere. Now, if you're in the FCS, yeah, that might happen. But guess what? That's what happens in the FCS. Guess how many FCS coaches take FBS transfers coming down? The numbers will still be bigger on that end. So, yeah, there will be more freedom of movement. There will be tampering. But guess what? There's already tampering. There are already coaching staffs that are calling the high school coaches of guys that they see who aren't playing, who they recruited and they liked. Hey, is, is so-and-so okay? See, uh, see, thinking about making a move? That's all going on now. And if the schools cared that much about the tampering, well, guess what? The schools are the NCAA, so they could tell the NCAA, which is the schools, to make enforcing the tampering rules a priority. Thus far, they have not, probably because most of them are tampering. Kind of makes sense, doesn't it? So we'll see what happens, but the ACC joining the Big Ten in this seems like a pretty big deal because the ACC isn't one to usually stick its neck out. Usually it, it is piggybacking on something else. Uh, when Mike Slive at the SEC proposed a four-team playoff, the ACC joined in on that. So this is this is the ACC kind of getting out there a little bit because the Big Ten was, was sort of on its own. Although I think the fact that the Big Ten proposed it tells you that it's probably going to happen because the Big Ten was always considered the more conservative, resistant to change conference. And if they're in in for this, then I think everybody else is going to figure out a way to be okay with it too. I do know how Marcus Spears feels about this. Uh, we're going to talk to him about that a little bit later. But first, I want you to hear something that if you're a viewer of ESPN, you may have thought would never happen. Well, our next guest, Marcus Spears, pulled it off. Listen to this. These are the kind of things that I was expecting. I didn't expect Judy to drop passes. I didn't expect Najee Harris to get only 19 carries, even though he was running roughshod over LSU. I didn't expect muff punts and, and just dropping, fumbling the football when nobody touched you. Forgive me for see, not even anticipating see, see, that, that something like that things. would happen there's without two LSU. Things. There's two things this man sitting right to the right of me and you taught me. You don't get big money making excuses, boss man. <laughs> it just don't happen. And being that you just got the big money, you didn't go into that ESPN office and tell them bosses, well, the other commentators, they were hurt. The other commentators didn't hand the ball off. The other analysts didn't put them in a position to be successful. That ain't what you said, Stephen. Eh? What you didn't account for is the fact that Joe Burrow is that dude. What you didn't count account for is that LSU had a system where the athletes could shine. What you didn't account for is the fact that Najee Harris and Tua don't play damn defense. And that's what <laughs> happened to the Alabama Crimson Tide in Brad Denny. So give me all the excuses, big money Stephen A. But I'll tell you this, and I'm going to tell you what you taught me sitting in your office right here at the Seaport. Champions don't make excuses, damn it. <laughs> You know what? You 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 know what? You know what? I I I have no comeback. <laughs> <laughs> yes. hey, I gotta let you go. Marcus Spears from ESPN, former LSU Tiger, former Dallas Cowboy, and Marcus, you didn't hear it, but we brought you into the show with you doing what I thought would be impossible. You left Stephen A. Smith speechless. 
So I got to ask you, what is the bigger accomplishment in your life? Pick six in the national title game or doing what no one thought in the history of television would be possible, <laughs> leaving Stephen A. Smith with nothing to say. Oh, man. First of all, thanks for having me, man. And um, It's still the pick six. Uh, but I will say the great thing about both of those situations is LSU played a huge part in both of them. So uh, that's what I feel good about, man. It was a it was an epic year, obviously, for LSU football. But to leave Stephen A. speechless, I, I got to be honest, at the time I didn't know it would become a big deal. But now when I'm out in public and when people see me uh, at certain places around uh, the country and the airport and stuff like that, that's one of the main things that they bring up um, <laughs> is that the epic rant I had on Stephen A. from, from my LSU Tigers getting done. So um, – I'll stick with it, man. I'll take it. I enjoy it. So what was this year like for you? Because it's interesting, you know, people assume, you know, you went to LSU, so you feel a certain way about them. But I always explain to people, you and Booger, two former LSU defensive linemen, are harder on LSU than any people I know. These last few years, you guys have been the most critical of LSU. So what was it like watching LSU turn everything around get the right offense, have the quarterback, and win the national title? Well, man, it was unbelievable because the one thing you know uh, covering the sport, as you have for a number of years, you and I working together, we always said LSU had the athletes to compete at the highest level. They just were archaic in their system. And, um, you know, Booger and I being critical was part of what we watched transpire all throughout the country with football teams. My coach at the time I was at LSU, Nick Saban, went to a spread. And I was like, if anybody can go to a if anybody uh, probably fought tooth and nail to play football, um, I guess the traditional way, it was Nick Saban. But obviously he bought in Lane Kiffin, and he, he morphed into what you needed to morph in. And that was our frustration with LSU. We, we would be at the practices. We would see the players. We would see the talent. And obviously, we didn't see Joe Burrow coming on and Joe Brady create his creativity in the passing game. That's just something you find out as the season goes along, and it happens in in sections. Um, I would say you first you like wow that was a that was impressive, and then you like oh this is the third week they've done that. Is this a thing? No, this LSU. I don't want to believe that yet. Then like week six or seven come, and then obviously week eight when you go to uh, Tuscaloosa and you produce a 40-point win, then you're like, oh, okay, this for real. This is who they are. Um, so it was just um, the, the critical nature and what we talked about LSU was was by far and away the unwillingness to come up to date with what was happening in college football. Um, and then when they did, obviously it produces this. So it makes me and Bug look smart, Ryan Clark as well. But at the end of the day, we knew what talent was there on campus. We just They just needed to be put in a better position to be successful. Um, now, we didn't know success would end up in a national championship, probably arguably the best offense to ever exist in college football. Um, but we definitely thought that it was a possibility for LSU to compete and have a chance and the opportunity to play in those big games. We had watched other schools from the SEC play in. So 
big year for LSU, but it's also been a big year professionally for you because mm-hmm. uh, you know those of us who worked with you on SEC Nation back in the day saw it immediately, but now the rest of the world is seeing what we saw with you on Get Up, and it's not just you talking about college football. They got you talking yeah. about everything. Yeah. When, when did you realize, all right, I can translate what I've been and, – and this is you, by the way. For those who yeah. don't know, Marcus <laughs> on TV – is Marcus, if you're sitting on a bar stool, it's the same thing. So when did you realize, all right, people are going to like what I'm doing here and, and, and somebody's going to believe in it, and now I can tell the world yeah. all this stuff I've been telling everybody privately? Well, Andy, I mean, you basically answered the question, man. I was, um, you know, patience, obviously, in our business, sometimes you can get um, ahead of yourself, per se. Um I got this job by sending a tweet to Stephanie Drewley, who was um, putting the SEC network together, um, and and ended up. And that's that's crazy because yeah. usually guys coming out of the NFL, their agents will call ESPN yeah. and say, "Hey, my guy is retiring. He's interested in TV." You didn't. Do, you sent a Listen, tweet. Man, it was. I've always. Um, Jerry Jones, when I played for the Cowboys, one of his big things was ask the question. That was one of his major, um, I guess, jewels that he would give um, when talking about his business ventures and things that he wanted to do. He said, "What what the hell is wrong with asking people? Um, would they would they be willing to give you an opportunity? And then you then they'll figure out if you can do the job or not. But ask them, or ask if you need money for an investment, or ask like just ask. And to be honest with you, I did not know." Um, the public response. I didn't know what it would be. I know when I first started at SEC Network and doing SEC Nation, one of my first interviews, that he asked me, what would you like the audience to know about you? And I said, I, I really just want them to feel like, like you said, we own a bar stool or we own a sofa um, and we're talking about sports. I want you to feel like that when you watch me on television. I don't want you to feel like it's a guy trying to talk over your head or give you a bunch of stats or, or use the correct speech all the time, um, the right verb, subject matter. Like, we don't talk sports like that in real life. Um, nobody has an eloquent way of talking sports when they're in a sports bar um, or when they're talking to their family. It get, it, discussions get heated. Um, you get, it gets personal. You bring in some of your personal feelings about certain players and certain teams. I think just, you know, honestly, I think people relate to that, man, because that's that's how they talk about it. Um, you know, nobody says, hey, let's set up a, you know, we're going to have a Super Bowl party, and when we start talking sports, we're going to set up a desk and put suit and ties on, and we're going <laughs> to eloquently go through what the game what the game is and, and, and our, our arguments. Nobody does that, so – that was the that was the one niche that I wanted to carve out. Everybody does it differently, man. And it, and I'm not saying my way is the right way or the only way. I just always knew that I wanted people to feel like they could touch me, that could understand where I was coming from. Uh, whether in the black community, people relate that to the barbershop. Um, you know that a lot of that talk goes on in the barbershop in my community where I came from. Um, I just I just took my life experience to to TV. And people seem to gravitate to it. And I have a lot of respect for fans, man. I got a lot of respect for people that, that watch the game. And, um, you know, obviously you've been in this business long enough to know you get the outlandish one. 
um, are, are the ones that think they know it all. But that's fun, too. I embrace all of that. So I think that's a part of it, man. And, and I don't take it personal. Um, for the most part, for me, when you talk sports, you have the right to have whatever opinion you want to have about what you're watching. That don't mean I'm, a, I'm not going to tell you you're a damn fool or you out of your mind, um, but you can have that opinion. Um, so I think that's what has, has, has translated. Then just opportunity meeting the preparation, man. ESPN gave me a golden opportunity to be on Get Up um, and, and going through the first initial start of Get Up and then seeing what it is today and obviously being on first take uh, with Stephen A. and Max, um, you know, boost the profile. You get around great people, man. Greenberg, G, as I call him, doing this for a long time. People like that vouch for you. It's instant credibility throughout the throughout the whole thing. So I think that's what has happened this year. Um, but like you said, man, when I'm on TV, I'm me. And, you know, if you don't like it, I tell you I don't give a damn. If you do, great. Like, at some point, we'll argue, too. So uh, it's just fun for me, man. It's fun. I don't make it a, I don't make it hard. I don't make it more than what it should be. We talk in sports, Andy. Like you and I, when we used to get together, we talk boom. I don't need to eloquently tell you I like the state medium. I just need to tell you, man, they got a damn good state over there. Let's go but get see, But see, I'm going to argue with you on that. I'm going to say, what medium? It's got to be rare. You're going to cook know, all the right? flavor out. Here you go. Here you, we will never see eye to eye on that one. I go medium. I need a light. I, I need a line of of uh, red. I can't go all in like you. That's it. Yeah, I, Marcus. We went. We went, we're, We were in New Orleans, I think. And Marcus is looking over my steak, and, yeah. and it's bleeding, bleeding. He's just the, the oh, just goodness. the look on his face. Oh, he goodness. was disgusted. And Booger and, Dude, and Booger's just feeling, laughing at the us. juice. The juice filling into the other food just made me sick to my stomach. I I hated it. it I hate to, I hate to see the steak still alive while you eat it. I just don't like it. Now I'm not like Boog. Boog get a well done steak. You, you might as well just eat a sheet of paper. But, <laughs> well, exactly. Um, I, I feel like the waiter should be allowed to slap you when you order that. That that, that no should doubt. not be against any be, law. They should in be America. allowed to tell you we're not bringing it. We're not bringing it. I'm not bringing it out. Get some chicken or get some salmon. But no, we're not bringing well done steaks out. It should be a law. They should. Actually, take that to Congress and tell people you cannot eat well-done steaks in restaurants. Should be against the law. I'm with you. I'm with you. So my my big programming question for Get Up though is when are they going to let you freestyle? Because for for those who don't know, Marcus can go. I don't know if he can go nine minutes like Black Thought a couple years ago on the radio. Nah, Black, that's a whole different but, level. But I'm telling you. For, for two, three, for song length. So we, there was a party for SEC yeah. Nation the first year. I was doing food segments for them. And so we're all in Knoxville. And there's karaoke. And now they have this, you know, portion of the bar cordoned off because Tim Tebow was there. And, you know, when Tim Tebow's around, you, crowds <laughs> will gather. So, we're, but we're all poor. So everybody's doing their karaoke stuff. I did, I did Bust a Move by Young MC, which, by the way, yep. you got to have some yep. cardiovascular fitness to do that because he goes fast. Marcus goes, I don't really need a song. Just give me a beat. And he yep. goes for like three beat. minutes with, with a verse about every <laughs> member of the cast. It was incredible. Yes. Yes. And I still got the freestyle, man. I just don't, you know, I don't promote that because I don't want people to think that they can run up on me with a mic and, and they going to get out alive. <laughs> uh, I can go toe-to-toe. So, you know, anytime, anytime I need to put the words together, 
and, and become an MC, or I could do it, man. Like it, it's it's nothing. I grew up doing it. I grew up freestyling. We used to battle freestyle. Now it's different from the south, so we don't rap like the dudes up up north, all of that. But you know, we got we got a little juice down here, man. I I can I can put some words together. Now here's the question: When you're doing that, are this is when you're younger? Do you have the intimidation factor because you are six foot three, six four? You know, two hundred ninety <laughs> pounds or whatever you were in high school. Hell yeah, man! <laughs> Hell yeah, you got to use it to your advantage, man. Especially if you, especially if a line go flat, you just say I'm bigger than you and I beat you up. That need to be the next line, and then everybody like, oh, he got him, he got him. So nah, man. I uh, the 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 great thing about freestyling is it's similar to sometimes on TV, just being quick, knowing how to respond. Like especially when you going back and forth with somebody. Um, stuff got to come to your mind, like as you're saying another thing, and I think that's one of the um, the blessings, man, that God gave me, gifted me with the ability to kind of think quick and and be swift with words. So, um, being a wordsmith, man, like maybe not rapping, but like those thoughts coming to your mind and you being able to articulate them. Um, but I go, I freestyle with anybody. I go toe to toe. I don't care, man. You know me, and I don't care, man. Well, it, we'll do it, it. I don't care who it is. And you can see it with your body language too that you've got so much experience with this because the clip that we played of you and Stephen A. The funniest part is not something you can hear, and I realize that's bad podcasting yeah. to, to talk about something visual. But it is the <laughs> look on your face as Stephen A. is making all those excuses. You got your glasses on, you put them down on the bridge of your nose, and you're staring yeah. straight into the camera like, "Oh come on, really? You're gonna." That yeah. uh-huh. Yeah. I get the I get the glasses on the bridge of the nose from my grandmother. That's how she used to read the paper. She don't call it the newspaper. She used to read the paper like that. Um and anytime you like gotta lock in or somebody saying some foolishness, she used to pull her glasses down and look at you over the top of her glasses. And uh, that's where I get that from. So I'm not stopping it. It's original, it's my grandmother's, but I'm gonna keep using it when somebody's saying some foolishness. Which happens quite a bit sometimes. Did did your grandmother have to say um, anything, or or did, was it just when the glasses went down you knew? Nah, it just it just she just look at you like well, that is the dumbest thing you could have ever done or said. But look, I had a lot of those moments when I was on the other end of those glasses being on the bridge of her nose. Now, was that good preparation for being coached by Nick Saban and Bill Parcells later in life? Oh, absolutely! Oh man, I was so prepared by my family before any coach got a hold to me. That's the thing, too, man. Like, even now with my my wife and my kids um, growing up in my household with my mom, my sister, um, and my dad, and everybody around, like, it was, you got to be able to take a joke. You have to be able to stand firm on your on your convictions and say, thing, say, say what comes to your mind. Um, be able to express yourself. We teach that to our kids now. My wife and I, like, we don't – it's thick-skinned in the Spears household. That's how we operate every day because we feel like the truth is the obligation. It's not – the obligation is not to make you feel good all the time. got to tell you the truth. You, you BSing. You're not doing what you're supposed to do. You should see my wife and I at our kids' game when they – like, we got an older daughter who was just played in the volleyball tournament. My son plays high-level uh, basketball for his age group. And baseball, we, there is no holds bar, bro. We will pull them to the side. We will 
call them out on the field. I know some parents, oh, they need to settle down. Not us. Hell no. We're going to tell you what you need to hear so you can get better. All of it is in love, but we got an obligation to tell you the truth. Um, so that's how we operate. So I operate like that on TV. I operate like that with my coworkers. If I don't like something, I say I don't like it. It's, it's not to make somebody else feel bad. If, if it does, I'm sorry, but it's just you, you operate in the truth, man. You're obligated to do that, especially when you're with people that you respect so much. I've had the opportunity to be on television with so many people that I looked up to um, from a television standpoint, having a chance to meet white, uh, meet Will Bunn and Tony Kornheiser sitting down in, in Miami and having a conversation with my wife um, and I and my publicist and just just being able to listen to the knowledge. You're obligated to tell people the truth, man. So I just always, I kind of, that's, that's how I move. And you know that, Andy. Like, I'm, I'm not... I'm not the guy that's going to try to find the best words. I'm going to just say, hey, this is what it is. I, I feel like um, sport – And people, people have responded to it. I feel it. like sports brings that out in people. Having played – you know, you play sports, you're around sports, because it's a very results-oriented business. It's not – it's not yep. about your feelings. You know, the, the world is yep. so much about feelings now. But in, when you're playing for Nick Saban, when you're playing for Bill Parcells, your feelings don't matter. Either you're doing the job they're asking you to do or not. Or not. It's, it's, it's so – it's just – it's so either or. Like, it's not – and that's I, – I guess, man, to be honest with you, a lot of those lessons I learned from Nick and even Bill Parcells um, and even Wade Phillips, who people would say is soft – but Wade was a very bottom-line type guy, cut and dry. Hey, you getting your job done or you're not. Now, his approach might have been different. Um, you might have not got dog cussed because you didn't do the job the right way, but you were definitely going to get told that you didn't do it the right way. So I've just been around that. Um, my wife is blunt. She she come at you. Like, she'll tell you, what. hey, this this what you need to do. Not, what, not oh, baby, um, can we sit down and talk? No, this is what you need to do. Um, and I'm, we teaching our kids to be that way, not disrespectful, but you need to tell people, you know, how you feel and tell them, you know, Hey, this, get the job done or not. That's the question I ask my kids after they play games, after they do, um, after we do things as a family, um, did you get the job done or not? And if you didn't, that's what we address it. You go address your feelings on your own. That's how we roll. While we're talking about how we feel, I want to know how you feel about some of these things going on in college football right now. Uh, and I'll start with, with LSU because it's a really interesting situation where, you know, Joe Burrow's gone. Joe Brady's gone. A lot of those guys that, that yeah. helped make that happen, and even behind Dave the scenes. Aranda yeah, is Dave Miranda's gone. gone yeah. and assistant coaches are gone. Analysts who were mm-hmm. critical behind the scenes, they're gone. Can LSU do yep. this again with different people now that they've found the blueprint? Well, here's what I want to say first. Don't expect LSU or anybody to duplicate what they did this year. Um, keep do it again in context. Can they be a top team in college football? Absolutely. The talent is still there. We've said that how long in the last 15 years. Um, the talent is still there. Miles um, Brennan – for all intents and purposes, will start at quarterback. Hopefully, the wealth of knowledge sitting behind, obviously, Joe Burrow being a part of this year um, has put him in the right position mentally and physically. He had to mature in that regard. Um, do I expect him to duplicate Joe Burrow's production? No. I expect him to be a good quarterback, though. Um, 
I expect Scott Linehan to to keep a lot of what he saw at LSU offensively um, with, with some of his own nuance. He was here in Dallas, had some successful years as an OC, and some not so successful, but tough to you, do your job for the Dallas Cowboys. That's hard to do. Uh, Steve Ensminger is still there. I don't think he got enough credit last year for his part and role in LSU's offensive success. Um, so there's a lot of things you have to do. Bo Pelini comes in. Bo had success at LSU previously, um, has been a really good coach. I think he was at Youngstown. Um, so, listen, if you're looking for LSU to do what LSU did last year, no, that ain't what that ain't going to happen. If it happens, then you hit the lottery twice. And who does that? Nobody in hell. Nobody in history has ever done that. But they can be a successful top five ball team when it's all said and done because of what their roster looks like. It's Ed O's job. This is when you earn your money as a head coach. This is this is the part. This is the byproduct of success. This is what Nick Saban has been going through for so long. Dabo fortunately has been able to hold on to Brent Venables, but he lost his OC this year. Um, you look at all of these top-tier coaches that's been having a tremendous amount of success, people are going to poach from your, from your group. They're going to poach from your coaching staff. They're going to get the young guys that are the next up-and-comers. That is a part of it. Um, LSU poached Joe Brady from the New Orleans Saints. And obviously one year now he's back with Carolina. Yes. So, Ed O, you up. We just gave you big money. You got to figure it out with the staff. Y'all got to figure out what y'all uh, do best and duplicate that again. And I, I fully believe that Ed O is capable because Ed O is not a BSer. He is a truth teller, and he's going he's gonna to say what he is as a player, as, as a football team. So how do you feel about the, the whole situation with Mark D'Antonio stepping down, the way the, the coaching search went, Mel Tucker leaving Colorado the way he did, getting the deal he got at yeah. Michigan State? What, what's going through your mind as all that stuff is happening? Nothing at all. I feel no way about it. And if we act like this is new, man. This is not new. The coach is taking, taking better opportunities and more money, and everybody is shocked and appalled. He said he was going to stay at Colorado. Butch Davis looked me in my face and told me he wasn't leaving Miami when he was recruiting me and went to Cleveland a couple weeks later. This has been happening. This, the coaches say I'm not coming back to coach. We'll, we'll, we see him three months later. Oh, so such and such signed a deal. Like, um, you know, I'm not absolving Mel Tucker of people's feelings being hurt by the fact that he left. I'm damn sure not about to persecute Mel Tucker for something we've seen happen year in and year out in college football. It's just, it is what it is, man. My, um, Matt Rule with Baylor. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. I was saying my thing on Mel Tucker is you can't turn that down. They double your salary. No, they, they double your staff pool. They double your strength coach salary pool. Like you cannot turn that down if you just went five and seven no. in Colorado. Hell no, you can't turn that down. And why would you? Why would you? I mean, we know Michigan State is a better program than Colorado. Like that's not that's not breaking news. It's it's a better opportunity. Um, you're playing in a in a bigger conference, more polarized, obviously. So, Listen, coaches coach to have their opportunities come. Um, I ain't mad at it, bro. I'm just – I'm used to it. Only thing I get upset about is when when we have these um, these 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 righteous uh, athletes can't leave because they should respect – they should 
they should uh they're too young they should uh respect the scholarship and yeah. they shouldn't transfer because they made a commitment man don't tell me that well, bs well, man that, that's, that, that is yeah i don't think mel tucker's ever going to say there's no transfer portal in the real world anymore because he just jumped right through it exactly yeah. exactly well, it, and, and it looks like guys are going to be able to transfer now because the, the Big Ten's behind this. The ACC says, yeah. ACC and, as well, and, and yeah. And I think the, the yeah. SEC will come around on it too. And, and that's fine because yep. it ta- you talk about BS, the, all that waiver stuff, nobody knew what you needed to do to get a waiver or how that worked. And they, you never understood no. why somebody got one and, and somebody didn't. So just take it away. Exactly. Take it away. Listen, Andy, everybody has been fighting – the landscape of college football changing. And there has been no fighter more than the NCAA. Changing, man. You better embrace it and figure out how to make it a system that works and assist with, with the new parameters. But if, if you standing in the corner and you're trying to fight what well, kids shouldn't be able to transfer, we should be able to tell them, well, you you late. You late to the party. I was saying this two years ago when Kirby Smart told a kid he can go certain schools. That is BS. I love Kirby Smart, one of my favorite people. Played for him. He was my DC at LSU. I told him to his face. I said, you're wrong for telling the kid where they can and cannot go. He does not want to be at your program anymore. I did the same thing to Nick Saban. I would do the same thing to Ed Orgeron. It's not your decision. You don't have to protect the kid from making a mistake. They'll figure out if they made a mistake or not. Um, your responsibility is to be as good to them as you can possibly be while they're in your care. If they want to leave, give them that opportunity, and then they will figure out if the grass was greener or not. Ask Jalen Hurts if the grass was greener. Hell yeah. Ask Justin Fields if the grass was greener. Yep. You know, so it's different situations for every individual. That's why I'm 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 so opposed to somebody telling the kid, well, you can go you can't go to these lists of schools. Man, get the hell out of here. I'm gonna go where I need to go. I'm gonna go where my family can see me play. I'm gonna go where I have an opportunity to play. I'm gonna go where I feel like it's the best opportunity for me to go pro. Period. Um and I don't think coaches should have the ability to say that. Marcus Spears, future president of the NCAA, when he gets done <laughs> with this television career, which is just taking off right now trust me this is only the beginning marcus thank you so much for your time and uh, and we'll be watching for the next time you you silence Stephen a my brother as always man and you know i'm here that is the great marcus spears i am ready for get up to start letting him freestyle it's gonna happen either that or he's gonna get his own show i i'm thinking a buddy cop show with marcus and dan orlovsky i'm ready for that I think, I think ESPN needs to get back into scripted drama. I know Playmakers didn't go so well and the NFL got mad, but it is time for a buddy cop show starring Dan Rolofsky and Marcus Spears. Let's make it happen, ESPN. That's it for today's show. Thank you so much for listening. Please subscribe to the podcast. Please rate us. Please review us. We love honest criticism. We love five-star reviews even more, but the honest criticism is good because it helps us make the shows better. And if you're not subscribing to The Athletic, please do. The best sports writing on the planet. We're talking about the transfer rules. Nicole Auerbach has written some great stories about that issue. You can learn a lot. You can figure out where you stand on it by figuring out where everybody else stands on it. Nicole has done a great job laying out how all of that works. doesn't matter if you're just a college football fan. If you're an NBA fan, NFL fan, soccer fan, race fan, 
whatever it is, we got you covered at The Athletic. So 40% off your first year, theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. That's theathletic.com slash Andy Staples. Please subscribe. You will not regret it.